0: head to com slash merch.
1: Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit com slash merch today.
0: And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe that we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011.
1: So many great conversations over the years about so many great movies. And some stinkers. Well, true. But you know, producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered.
0: Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchase is made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great
1: discussions. In season three, we covered even more great adaptations like The Night of the Hunter and It Happened One Night, both part of our Couples on the Run series.
0: We talked about No Country for Old
1: Men, the Coen brothers so rarely adapt someone else's work. We had some fun rom com adaptations like About a Boy, based on the Nick Hornby novel, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, adapted from Rachel Cohn and David Levithan's book.
0: In our terribly and naively named foreign language series, we discussed the brilliant City of God and the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which I won't ever be able to watch again, ever. But could you read the original memoir? I don't know.
1: Maybe. We had our Richard Dysart series with adaptations like The Day of the Locust and Being There.
0: Plus, we had that fantastic interview with the man himself.
1: <laughs> the one where we had him sit on the floor. Because his chair was so squeaky. <laughs> Good times. We did our first Tom Hanks series with Forrest Gump, adapted from Winston Groom's novel. Plus, Apollo 13, based on Lost Moon by Jim Lovell.
0: And we did another year series looking at films from 1981, including Das Boot, Gallipoli, and Thief all based on
1: books. Listeners can dive deeper into all of these original stories and more at the slash originals. Every book, play, movie, video game, video game. <laughs> you bet. We have talked about some video game adaptations as well. It doesn't matter the source. Just follow the link. Every purchase supports the podcast.
0: Check out the full list at the slash originals and get reading, watching, performing, or playing today. Most certainly did not.
1: Okay. Okay. Just checking. I'm not
0: in a good spirit. I tweaked, you know, when you tweak your neck and you can't move it.
1: I, I, yeah, yeah, do I?
0: And how? I did that something like last week and then I got better. And then today I got worse again. I was, I had to shoot. (laughs) I had to shoot. It's probably one of the most fun shoots I've had to do in a while. Should I, can I tell you about it? I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, some attorneys. I, one of my clients is, is they're their attorneys, and they needed to, we needed to, we got time at the courthouse, at the main courthouse downtown. We got a courtroom all to ourselves, and we got to reenact a bunch of courtroom scenes so that we could capture action uh, stills and video for their, for, for, a, pro- <laughs> for a production for their, for their firm.
1: So did you have like a moment from like the verdict where you know you got to come swooping down in as totally as the verdict is yeah. read? and
0: Thanks. we did we did you're out of order and you're out of order and <laughs> his whole court is out of order
1: <laughs> and did you do you can't handle the truth yeah
0: <laughs> this country is made by uh, what? What is it made around laws? Their laws, something like that. We did the whole thing, and uh, and I did uh, a panicked run down a long marble corridor, and um, yeah, it was good.
1: All with a bad back or bad neck.
0: That's how I got my bad neck. So I didn't actually note the bad neck until much later.
1: Gotcha. What a drag.
0: It is a drag, but it was really it's it's fun how it happened. I had a good. This was a good day. This was yeah. one of the good ones, son. One of the good That's ones. Nice.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, You uh, can I just tell you I was uh, we're going to do trailers in a moment. I'm going to tell you the trailer that I wanted to do so badly.
1: Yes. The Joe
0: the the Joe Show. (laughs) That was so high on my list. It was going to. I was going to. Can you tell the good people about the Joe Show real quick? You might as well give a little plug.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, this is a documentary we've been working on at uh, Randy Murray Productions, where I spend my days uh, about Sheriff Joe Arpaio people may or may not have heard of him. But if you just Google Sheriff Joe Arpaio, I'm sure you can find lots of interesting stories. Um, it's really a story about uh, him as the local Maricopa County sheriff here in Arizona. But uh, he's kind of a kooky guy who you know feels that as the sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona, that it's his responsibility to track down the Obama birth certificate in, in Hawaii and things like that. So, you know, he's...
0: You're kidding me. I did not know that. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, he, he, <laughs> he's really... He ends up doing things that uh, you know a lot of people get up in arms about because, you know, well, it's taxpayer money and we're wondering why he's doing these things. So, it, anyway, it's a story about him and his role as sheriff and how he's maintained it for 20 plus years. And also his relationship with the media and how Uh, Really how any political role ends up kind of using the media and the media uses them to kind of create this uh, monster that really it's they're more about fame and the whole idea of of uh, getting uh, getting themselves reelected through fame rather than actually doing a good job.
0: This is—it um, is it is an extremely timely film about the most—arguably the most uh, uh, famous local county sheriff in the nation. Uh, He's known as
1: America's Toughest Sheriff.
0: It's—this it, yes, she is—the is. It, trailer just came out this week. Uh, it looks like the site went live, and the, the trailer came out this week, and you can't see the film yet.
1: Uh, it will be on— we're sending it out to festivals right now. It's actually going to air next year on Investigation Discovery. Uh, so we have it. Uh, it'll be airing on their channel. And right now we're talking to distributors and sales agents and uh, taking it to American Film Market next yeah. month and, you know, trying to get it out into the world uh, in a much larger capacity. So, well, yeah, we'll see. It looks great. Well, thank you.
0: It really does. You've done, you've done some. You've outdone yourself.
1: I'm looking forward to uh to getting it out there and seeing what the people think
0: love the people generally the people are smart and discerning yes um can we can I tell the people uh speaking of? Can I tell them where we are
1: yeah, please do. <laughs>
0: Well, you are at the next reel, and this is a, a podcast where uh, uh, yours truly, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson over there, uh, we spoil movies heavily. Usually just one movie. Sometimes we spoil several at a time. Uh, you can find us at thenextreel.com. Uh, you can read the blog at thenextreel.com slash blog. Uh, you can hear, see uh, all of our different reference links on our contact page. Uh, find us at FlickChart and Letterboxd and Twitter and Instagram. and, and uh, So there's lots Pinterest. of different places. And Pinterest now, for crying out loud, you can find us just about everywhere. But the most important part, if you want to reach out to me and Andy, Andy is at Soda Creek Film on uh, Twitter. I am at Pete Wright on Twitter, and we would love to hear from you. Most importantly, really, and I'm not just shilling, here, I'm sort of shilling. There's some shilling going on right now. We would love it if you're a subscriber on iTunes if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a really nice uh, review. And I'm not just saying i mean, only if you mean it. Uh, because when you really re- leave us nice reviews and uh, uh, your five star reviews, they help this show show up in other people's search results when they're searching for film commentary and, and uh, you know, movie reviews and such and so. And so we really appreciate And speaking of. Do you happen to have our latest review open? I, I am so excited that we got a Brokeback review. <laughs> we got the this is that was what the we're calling it? this was the we got the full Brokeback, and I I have been giddy about this all week. <laughs> this was the nicest review, and we have had some extremely nice reviews. I'm not, I mean, wouldn't you say we've had some extremely nice reviews? This one is at the very top
1: for me. Oh really? Can
0: you do you do you have it open or shall I shall it's, I do it's it?
1: Just about open. If you have it open, read it. No, time.
0: it's a this is a race to the opening is what okay. we're is what we're saying. I'm
1: here. opening it right now. Ratings and reviews. See, this is this is why we try to get ready beforehand. Yeah, we don't really do that. Always work out. Here we go. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. I can't get enough of these guys. Five stars by I guess it's Leisha. Leisha Lin.
0: Well, I think Her- Leisha is a is a is a one of our Facebook uh is a regular poster on facebook
1: i think in fact
0: i don't know if this is the same alicia but we have alicia who i think is responsible for our coen brothers series from a little while back
1: that's fantastic
0: go ahead you finish your
1: thing. here's what she said ever since i stumbled across this podcast i listened to the episodes over and over while rating movies at Flickchart. we'd love to hear that their conversational style is loose funny and friendly and they talk films seriously as an erudite movie team check that out don't stop, boys, because I can't quit you.
0: Oh man. <laughs> that is so
1: oh, well, we, nice. We can't quit you either, Alicia.
0: No, ma'am. Uh well, so we are uh we are just delighted when we get these nice reviews. Thank you so, so much to everybody who has posted uh to us in the past. And um uh, it keeps us keeps us moving.
1: It does. Yeah. It's like a little pat on the back. We, well, we like those nudges.
0: Tis tis a little pat on the back.
1: Mm.
0: Shall we talk trailers? Yes. I was, okay. I'll I, 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 no, I no, really no.
1: screwed up the trailers this week. You one. did. That's you all, totally messed me. it. I
0: was going to do the Joe <laughs> show, and then I was going to do Jack Ryan. Because you know what? I can't quit Jack Ryan. I uh, And this is a Chris Pine Jack Ryan. And it would have been I'm not going good... to talk about it, though. I can't talk well, about it.
1: But I, it would have been good honoring the late legacy of uh, the wonderful Tom Clancy. Yeah.
0: Who screwed that up? Mm, yeah, that, that that'd guy be me. that guy uh mm-hmm. and so we can't talk about that but
1: hey, well i i can't quit you though pete <laughs> <laughs>
0: well let's just say you're on thin ice sir <laughs>
1: <Uh-oh>.
0: <laughs> we uh so i i can't do that so you send me this email and you totally throw me for a loop and now i'm doing wes anderson's new film the grand budapest hotel what do we think of this? I uh I actually uh I'm pretty excited about it. And I didn't think I was gonna be very excited about it. I thought I was gonna be kind of snotty um and probably do some make some sort of hipster joke comment about um, you know, Wes Anderson and long shots and people in fuzzy hats. Uh instead, I'm gonna say this looks like just the right level of Corky and Adrian Brody slapstick and Bill Murray and uh lay your hands off my lobby boy this is an, <laughs> and
1: freaking ray fines and I ray fines who is so good <laughs> i go
0: to bed i go to bed with all my friends <laughs> uh and so i am i am, how do you say so soars soars, soars ronan sorry soars i think it's i think it's charise charise well that's just made up letters then <laughs> Those, I, those Irish and I all hate their that. funny, funny uh, sounds. Written by Hugo Guinness, Wes Anderson, directed by Wes Anderson, comes out in 2014 at some point. The cast is fantastic. Suarez, Ronan, uh, but more uh, more well known even. Ray Fiennes, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, Jude Law, Owen Wilson, Leah Sedu, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, crazy. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Jason Schwartzman, of course, F. Murray, Abraham, Tom Wilkinson, Harvey Keitel, Bob Balaban, Matthew Amalric, Florian Lucas. I mean, it just keeps going. I could read it. It would take me three days to read the cast list, and they're all fantastic. So that's the big one. Uh, Definitely something I think is going to be worth uh, chatting about.
1: I've got to say, I've been real up and down with Wes Anderson's films. Yes, yes. I love Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums. And then since then, I really haven't liked many of his films, and I missed the uh, um, Darjeeling Limited completely. And then I, I enjoyed Moonrise Kingdom. I thought it was okay. I kind of felt like he was getting back on track. And I know, you know, he seems to be very divisive with some of his, uh, those middle films, like the Life Aquatic and, and uh, Darjeeling Limited. You know Fantastic where, I,
0: you know where I went south was Fantastic Mr. Fo- Mr. Fox. Well, yeah. I was so disappointed by that film.
1: I was too. And everyone loves that. And I I feel like I just completely missed it. But, you know, we took our our kid to go see it and she was bored to tears. tears. Bored to tears. Oh, yeah. I really just didn't get into that one.
0: Yeah, that was horrible.
1: But this one looks like it's getting back on track. Everything about the trailer just really made me excited. So I'm hoping that it will live up to that feeling that I got watching the trailer.
0: Me too. I am. I'm very excited about the um, about this one. So, and it gives me an excuse to link to one of my favorite um, Wes Anderson spoofs, Conan O'Brien's uh, Wes Anderson Star Wars Episode Seven audition tape, <laughs> which you will find in the caption of my trailer on the website. Which you should you should go find. It's hidden in there. That's awesome. Fi- Have you seen it?
1: No. It's so good. It's the,
0: it. it's the it's the shoots first reenactment by Wes Anderson.
1: Oh, that's awesome!
0: <laughs> and I think it actually takes place in the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, and so there we go. So that was my uh, that's my trailer. Yeah,
1: now, and it opens sometime in 2014. In 2014 that's yeah. all we know.
0: Yeah. And now I'm I'm real real excited about your trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited this to see is... where you go with this.
1: This is why all of our trailer banter was messed up, because I've had this thing about, since we're doing romantic comedies all month, I I need to find romantic comedy trailers, or at least romantic trailers or or something, some sort of trailer with romance. And I really struggled this week, because there's just not a lot of stuff that I felt uh, warranted discussing.
0: (laughs) Which I find fascinating, because I think of the movies that you're about to talk about, all other movies would be more interesting to talk about than
1: these two. If, but if they, Go like, ahead. I'd love to I'd love to talk about nonstop in the context of it being a romantic comedy. They have I'd love to
0: do that. I love Liam Neeson, and <laughs> and they have a lovely conversation in There's first class for about two Liam, seconds.
1: Liam Neeson and the lady who dies in the bathroom, I hear. <laughs> it's a very, very touching and funny moment together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but instead— Take that. Yeah, so, so take this, Liam— so the first – I'm going to be real quick on this first one because I actually don't want to talk about it except to say how awful it looks. And it's called Endless Love. It opens Valentine's Day next year, uh, directed by Shauna Fest, uh, starring Alex Pettifer and Emma Rigby. And as some of you who tune in every week know, I'm kind of on this Tom Cruise uh, you know, kick right now where I'm watching his entire career from beginning to end with my lovely wife – and we're into the 90s now, but it starts off with this really, really horrible, horrible, horrible film called Endless Love, which he was in in the early 80s. And it's just a bit part um, directed by Franco Zeffirelli with Brooke Shields. And it's just like teen love. And it looks horrible. This looks almost like a remake of that. And that's how bad and frightening it looks. Um and it, but it doesn't it doesn't look like it's based on the novel that that one is based on. So it doesn't look like it's an actual remake, but it feels like a remake. And it, really, it's just it's just sad. And I, that's all I really want to say about it.
0: So. I feel like I should belabor it, but I don't know if I can. I want to <laughs> sort of want to torture you with it. It looks so bad.
1: I know, it really does. <laughs> it so bad. And I just feel bad that, like, Robert Patrick and Bruce Greenwood and Jolie Richardson are all in it. Bruce it's like, Greenwood,
0: huh. man. I know.
1: What is he doing being uh. in movies like this? So, anyway, that's that one. So, the movie I'm really going to talk about, though, I'm also not that excited about, and that's because I'm just not a fan of Diablo Cody, and I've discussed that on the show before. I have a real issue with her, and... Uh, this movie that's coming out, which actually opens, it's actually opening today in limited release. I'm not sure if it's going to get much of an expanded release, but it is going digital uh, right away. I believe people may already be able to download it, but it's called Paradise. And it I, I hate to say it because I just don't like Diablo Cody, but it actually looks cute. And it I kind of want to watch it. And uh, I probably am going to because it it just has a very cute look to it. It's a story of a very conservative young woman um, who is very religious and she gets into a plane crash and gets burns all over her body. And she has this crisis of faith and she has to kind of reevaluate her life. Her mom is Holly Hunter. Her dad is Nick Offerman. And basically she goes to Vegas to kind of, you know, get down and dirty and experience the crazy side of life a little bit. She ends up meeting Russell Brand and Octavia Spencer and uh, kind of goes crazy. And, uh, you know, by, just, I mean, you have to watch the trailer. It's actually pretty funny. The things that she does to get crazy really make me laugh. And I I, I hate to say it because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to belabor the Diablo Cody thing, but this actually does look kind of cute.
0: Man, I see, I don't see it. Uh, I don't I don't see a lot of charm in it and I feel like uh I, I worry that you're blinded to your otherwise rational Diablo Cody disdain.
1: Well, what's gonna happen is I'll probably watch the film and then and really regret All of the it. Diablo Cody uh you know, the things that I hate are gonna come rushing back and smack me across the face. They and will I'm do that. Really you can already fe-
0: I can already feel it. This right. is like you know, this is this is it. There are people who are big fans of Diablo Cody. I, I also am not one of them. I don't carry around uh quite the level of disdain uh for, for Diablo Cody work that you do, but I, I'm just it's just not in my wheelhouse yeah. uh, but this one in particular looks uh, really fairly banal and and well uh, it
1: does it looks banal it looks like a tv movie it, it really it looks does. like this one of those a... ones that i could watch while i'm sick and and it'll get me through a couple hours of of a fever
0: <laughs> wow What's interesting about it is the two movies that you pick both carry on the carry the same message, right? Innocence lost. Say goodbye to innocence. It's all about it. <laughs> the difference is Endless Love is all about like uh prepubescent teen lust or pubescent teen lust and is pitched like a horror movie.
1: Yeah, right. No kidding.
0: And this one is a comedy. Uh and uh I don't, I, I don't get it. I, you know, it's, it's um, all of the things she does to go crazy are like, they're bad jokes of people who actually do go crazy on, in this kind of way. Like they're, they're, they're really, so I, I just don't, I, I didn't resonate with it at all. It's, yeah.
1: Um, I, I'm sure that I will be completely wrong when I finally watch this film. I hope you are. And I'm sure I will regret it. But for <laughs> now, I'm going to, I'm going to wow. go with the fact that, you know, it may have some charm to it. It's got a 3.6 out of 10 (laughs) on IMDb, so it's not looking very good.
0: dude, really?
1: uh, Yeah, this is is Diablo Cody. She's writing and directing this one. So Uh, a Metacritic uh, score of 34. It's definitely not looking very good. We have already spent
0: too much oxygen talking about this movie.
1: Yeah, I know. We should stop. Let's just move on. <laughs> if you want to check out those awesome recommendations by me, go I don't to the even links know. I don't notes.
0: even know if I'm going to give them a link this week.
1: <laughs> no, you know what you need to do is you need to rickroll them. Rick-roll I'm going to rickroll them baby. and
0: send them to good movies actually. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, so you just won't even know where That's where right. you're going. I'm just so, gonna. So now people are gonna go click on. The there's again, but so, you gotta go click on Andy's picks. My pick recommend... is gonna go exactly where it needs to go, but Andy's <laughs> picks are gonna go. Jack Ryan. <laughs> boom. You never even. You just won't even know.
1: Uh, this is a I, I You know, this is just the stupidest thing that I've decided to do this month. I, there better be a good trailer next week, or I swear it is gonna be nonstop. <laughs> we might just do paradise again. Let's 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 talk about our movie. Let's talk about our movie, please. Not a gig oh. oh. Damn it, come on. This is Nick. He's a sensitive musician. I'm not going. We have a gig, Nikki. I don't want to go. I'm taking a mental health day. Who's bad at relationships? Hey, Tris, it's Nick. I just wanted to talk to you, you know, I think we both said some things we didn't mean, like when you broke up with me on my B-day. This is Nora.
0: Okay, everybody in. She
1: always plays by the rules. You have to promise me that you won't get drunk tonight. (laughs) But tonight. Nora, alone again? I came here with someone. Who? She's going to break them.
0: Would you be my boyfriend for five minutes?
1: What?
0: Please, just go with it, okay? How do you guys, like, know
1: each other? We're the same tennis. Yeah. You touch one hair in on her head, I will kill all of you. Sorry, I'm being carried. <laughs> oh. Ow. Oh. She'll be okay. Are you off duty? This isn't a cab. Awesome night. Oh, yeah.
0: We are, of course, talking about Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, starring uh, Michael Sarek, Kat Dennings, written by Lorene... Scafaria, who wrote the screenplay adapted from the book by Rachel Kahn and some other Yahoo. Uh, Rachel Kahn and David uh, okay. Levith- Levithan. Yeah. Levithan, yeah. Levithan. And uh, it is, uh, this is uh, the third in our series of romantic comedies uh, that we are talking about for the horrible month of October. <laughs> Boom. I did. I dropped Horrible. Wow. On you just now. Directed, did I say it was directed by Peter Solette? You didn't. I didn't. I should have said that. He is a bearded man who looks uh, a little bit like uh, Neo from The Matrix. That's right. Little intense. Little intense. Little intense. He, uh, you know, what does he really know? He hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, He did... uh, 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 Raising Victor Vargas was his breakout film back in
1: 2002. And 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 then there was was this. And now he's uh, I know he's in development on a film with uh, it's I think it was with Jack Black actually um, so there it's it's kind of just an office comedy called yeah. called uh, I think it's called Blacklist or a bailout bailout it's called bailout so they're working on that movie called bailout and uh, but yeah I, I think he's one of those directors who broke on to the scene with his little indie film in 2002. And then ended up doing Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And now he's, because of that, he's been directing little things here and there, little uh, t- episodes of TV. And,
0: yeah, you know, yeah.
1: it's it's kind of the way that a lot of indie filmmakers really probably end up taking the same path who aren't those big breakouts like uh, Mark Webb with 500 Days of Summer. Right, right. That's like the real breakout. This is the sort of breakout where it's like, yes, he now has a directing career where he does these little episodes here and there of shows and fights to get the films.
0: How how did this one how this one get on our list? Because uh, I, I this one um, it was produced by Chris and Paul White's. Interestingly, that uh, coming off of About a Boy last week.
1: Yeah, I thought so.
0: Um, uh, so that that I find interesting. It is uh, otherwise it's a, it's a sweet film we'll talk more detailed about sweetness shortly. Was this was this one one of our wives? Yes. Recommended this well, one.
1: Well, yeah, and this is this is definitely a one of the wife recommendations and it, this I think is a it film was. that yeah, it was. Yeah. Um this is a film that our wives or at least one of them really love. I know my wife does.
0: So no, yeah, this yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it's a very sweet, very tender sort of movie. And it really fits that, uh, that rom-com vibe that, uh, you know, it's just a very sweet uh, falling-in-love story.
0: It, it You know, it addresses, uh, for me, it addresses my need to have, um, you know, uh, it, we're going to do rom-coms. We need to have some, some really heavily sort of music-infused rom-coms, and I really enjoy the soundtrack for this film. And, and I know, you know, we're doing more music uh, coming up uh but but this one well i it's, it's very high fidelity kind of a thing which is kind of right up there at the top so
1: every uh, i mean we have really nailed it as far as rom-coms with soundtracks. soundtracks yes and, absolutely. and uh, you could almost argue that to make a really solid rom-com you need a really great soundtrack i mean 500 days of the summer about a boy this and the other ones that we're going to be talking about they all have soundtracks or at least Key songs that end up becoming like an integral part of the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm trying to f- figure out, like, for example, when did I discover Vampire Weekend? You know, I mean, it, it may have been this movie. Uh, yeah, right. It, you know, there, probably... Band of Horses. Like, there, there are uh, bands on here that that um, uh, that I think uh, I think I actually discovered and love today as a result of of this film. Yeah. And so there's a lot about this film I think to like. It's it's sort of it in, in counter to that. It's sort of a, a quiet uh little bit of a, a weirdly quiet film. It's it's more intimate than it would uh than I think it it lets on uh with with all the sort of strange kind of uh open window noise going on around Nick and Nora. Um but but you know, I th- I think it's an easy film to to sort of embrace their relationship once we finally get into it.
1: This, it is a very quiet film, and that's something I really noticed this go around re-watching it and it really, in a strange way, and I don't know if you're going to buy into my comparison, but it really felt like Marty, which we talked about uh, you know a couple of months ago. It has that same sort of quiet story about you know kind of somebody falling in love, this love story. And it's a film that give it 50 years, will people still be talking about it? I don't know. Marty benefited from probably a weak year of Oscars and became the Best Picture winner. And because of that, people still really talk about it quite a bit. Or not quite a bit, but people at least still talk about it because it did win Best Picture. This film didn't benefit from that. So in 50 years, will people still be talking about this? I don't know, because it is such a quiet, intimate little love story.
0: Yeah, and and I think as a result, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's entertaining. I find it... Um... I don't. I don't feel like I connected with it um, a, a, as much as I connected with the other films that I've rewatched in this series. Uh, yeah, I and, didn't and I connect was,
1: with it as much as I did the first time I watched it.
0: It's deteriorating over time. That there's. This is a movie with a half life. <laughs> <laughs> right, and well, I, and I that's it, what I'm really struggling with. I'm trying to figure out why, because you know, I I find uh, Michael Sarah playing Michael Sarah playing a, uh, a love lorn somebody. Uh, in this case, uh, somebody here's, named Nick O'Leary. Uh,
1: here's the description from the book: the haunted puppy dog look of pathetic <laughs> despair.
0: <laughs> that's you know that's it. He drives a Yugo, and therefore he has character, um, <laughs> and, and so he plays. He's a bass player in an all gay ba- all gay band. <laughs> And that part is I think maybe the the most entertaining. Certainly that's the comedy of the romance, I think. Um beyond uh Michael Sarah's awkwardness, the comedy of the romance is uh it, it, it's to me it's handled by the all-gay band, uh which is fantastic. Uh Aaron Absolutely. Yu, Ruffy Gavron, uh the, the gay bandmates are wonderful in this. Well, Jonathan film.
1: Wright as as the yes. beefy guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: uh Lothario. I mean please, these guys were are these guys are fantastic and and just their struggle to come up with a great all gay band name uh, right. is is you know clearly not safe for work but hysterical and and just appropriately um, you know ribald uh, for a film like this and and I love watching Michael Sarah kind of parade through this film uh, and i I love his sort of not believable love of music. Uh, and uh, he's pretty awkward holding a guitar, uh, but uh, but but generally, you know, I, I I think he is. I find he's one of those that's sort of infectious, um, and and it, it may be one of those sort of s- symbiotic infections that you you kind of don't want to cure because uh, you, know, you know I know, but you know the tapeworm keeps me skinny, um, and so. Uh,
1: that's that may be the strangest uh, way to My- describe one's affection for Michael Sarah. <laughs> He's like the tapeworm that I can't let go of because it tapeworm. keeps me skinny.
0: Michael Sarah is the tapeworm that keeps me skinny. <laughs> uh, but uh but and and I love uh how I, I think That awkwardness is very much sort of, you know, we talked about prisoners, how it it sort of taps into the lizard brain for me of what I would do if my child were kidnapped. But this taps into that sort of 18-year-old lizard brain awkwardness around, you know, I've gotten myself into this life where I'm... (laughs) I played the bass in an all-gay band in New York, and I I just had a bad breakup, and I really don't know what to do next, and and I like that, and and his you know his romantic foil Kat Dennings is I, I think equally human in this film, and I really like that you know she's not uh, you know but they it it's it's sort of a trite comparison with the sort of cheerleader esque Triss. she's even named Triss. And, uh, you know, Kat is Nora and she doesn't look at all like Triss. She doesn't um, she's she's beautiful, but she's just a different kind of beautiful. Uh, And 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 so it's it's a little bit of a of a trite kind of, you know, she may not be beautiful, but she's still perfect story. And and it uh, it kind of loses me in the romance a little bit. But, um, you know, but generally, meh, I like it. I, I'm, so I'm struggling with it, and that's what I'm trying to convey here, is that this movie, it's frustrating because I feel like there are enough things going right for it that I should like it more than I did.
1: It's, I think a lot of it is just because it is just kind of this slight story. It's nothing too big, and and it's hard to really jump on board with a film that feels so small and really kind of toot your horn about it because because it is slight, and it's, you know, it's... It's very slight in a way that you can totally – like, I can totally just fall in love with this film. I can fall in love with these characters. I can go along for the ride the whole time. When it's done, you know, I can also kind of just kind of let it go and forget about it. And and that's what I did because I watched this film, and I'm like, wow, I just don't remember any of this. And, I mean, I remembered kind of the general – Crux of the plot and everything, but when I was watching, it, I'm like, gosh, I don't remember all these different scenes. Like it was watch, it was almost like watching it for the first time again because it just isn't a film that really stuck with me. Uh, but right. I still found it completely enjoyable. It's just not a film that I, I really find myself latching onto in any great capacity where I you know I I find the characters like part of my soul and I connect to them or anything like that. And maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But, I mean, it is a good movie. It's very enjoyable. It's very sweet. The characters are great. They're very uh – they're written very realistically. I really enjoy just kind of the honesty of the Nick and Nora characters. And I feel like they have a uh, a real connection and there's a real story going on with these characters. And I really enjoy this – Window into their life that we have for about twenty-four hours, and uh, you know, I guess that's all I need. I don't need anything more than that, and I'm okay with kind of letting it go and if coming back to it, you know, down the road. I'm sure I'll still enjoy it again. Hmm. That's, hmm. I mean, you know, that's kind of how I feel. All right.
0: All right. Yeah, I. Um, this this is. Michael Sarah was, you know, uh, not, He, I, I think he was fine. He was just, he doesn't give a, there's not a whole lot of breadth yet uh, for, for him in this film. And Kat Dennings is, you know, wasn't up to the 40-year-old virgin. And I think ultimately it was, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out where I was lost. You know, there was this sense of, uh, much of the story is around, uh, this chase around Lower Manhattan, right? Right. And there are sort of two chases going on. Uh, the first is a chase for Caroline. Uh, Caroline is the best friend who drinks a lot and ends up in some horrifically uncomfortable uh, situations <laughs> related to her intoxication. Um, and and the the worst one, which turns this film into just a horror film, is her in the bathroom of the of the <laughs> train station where she. She's talking on the phone, and she's chewing gum, and she drops the phone and gum into the toilet after she's thrown up in it. And then she reaches in to get the phone to finish her conversation, which miraculously still works, covered in toilet water and vomit right. in a butt station. And then she picks up her gum and resumes the chew yeah. out of the toilet. <laughs>
1: it is a true gross out moment. I'm having and not I, an easy
0: time talking
1: about it. I can tell. It's it's a horribly uncomfortable just disgusting moment. It's toilet humor literally. And uh, you know, It's I,
0: like the scene was included on a dare. I think you put it right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> hey, what can you do? Here you go. There's some gum and a cell phone and some vodka and a toilet in a bus station. Go.
1: Well, it's funny. Peter uh, Sollett, the director, he actually talks about the gum and how I guess the gum is not in the book. I mean, it is a very visual gag. It it works better in the film. It probably they probably didn't even come up with the idea for it in the novel. When they latched onto this idea, of this gum that ends up in uh, in Caroline's mouth from the first bar a- after she's kissing somebody and he transfers it into her mouth that gum goes all the way through the movie to her into a couple other people's mouths and it ends up, I think it does end up back in her mouth uh, by the time we get to the end. And it, it's just, it's disgusting the the places this gum has gone and the number of people who end up chewing it. But the director, he said that this, he liked the gum because it was a useful way to let the dramatic air out of the balloon. Like when he felt scenes were getting too serious or whatever. And while I can say, sure, I can see that, I would also counter with, I don't feel that this film ever had that much dramatic air. Yeah, in <laughs> <zone.">
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> Although, I, I don't necessarily know. I think maybe it was, you know, because the, the the gum sort of caused the movie to percolate a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and um, you know, it was... Uh, I, I think it may be solving a different problem than letting dramatic air out, but maybe inserting some comedic air into an otherwise—you know—you have to, you have to admit, if if Caroline was not in the film, uh, this would be a fairly maudlin romantic comedy,
1: and fairly short, and
0: fairly short. That's that's right. Yeah.
1: She's so that, absolutely—I mean, she's a, she's a great subplot to have. She she picks up the pace of the film quite a bit because there's so much comedy. In this, it's not just toilet humor, but it's also drunk humor. You get a lot of that with the Caroline character. And it's very fun to watch her part of the story as we're going on the adventures of drunk Caroline around the city. Um, And I, I think I'm not quite sure where the film would have gone if that wasn't in there.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. We should say that, that Caroline was played by Ari Grainer, who's been in uh, I don't know. She's been in a lot the, of films. The actually. Sitter, The Mystic she, River, yeah, Mystic River. She's in The right.
1: Sopranos. Well, that's that. true. I'd forgotten that. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: wow. Veronica Mars, for your consideration. Uh, she was uh, so she was she was yeah. good.
0: I think she was a high point in the film for me. Actually, <laughs> as I reconsider. I,
1: I love her. I also, yeah. I, I just love the way that she's so kind of up and down with her emotions. I mean, she plays drunk so well. She really, uh, does. I she guess, really does. I guess. I love order... the
0: sandwich bit.
1: Oh my God. That's when just she's... one of the funniest moments. Yeah, it is a f- really
0: funny exchange.
1: And the way that she plays it off of him and the way that he decided to play his whole scene without ever saying anything. Yeah. I think it's just so good. That's the wonderful Kevin Corrigan uh, playing opposite her at the bus station. He's so funny uh, with the turkey sandwich. But the way, I, I guess what she would do before every take is she would spin in circles a whole bunch because she heard that that helps you kind of get that kind of dizzy, drunk uh, uh, style of uh, actually being and and she did it every time before every take and i i, I think it works because i mean i swear she's drunk this whole time
0: <laughs> yeah she does she's good she's uh she's good she i i liked it um so that was her now the other chase you mentioned there are two chases the other chase is everybody is chasing this um uh, this uh shy indie band wears fluffy mm. And where's fall I think this is a bit of uh this is a bit of cleverness you know they put clues all over the place where they're gonna play they don't tell anybody where they're gonna play because uh y- you Cause know they're shy because they're so shy and the and and that uh they don't apparently need publicity because everybody buys into their shyness so much that that they just follow' them around all over the place right and follow these clues and so uh they're a band only for smart people,
1: maybe that's something can follow we should... Clues. We should take that into account with our podcast. We should start leaving clues in bathroom stalls.
0: <laughs> About when and where it will be broadcast on the internet.
1: That's a great there you idea. you go.
0: <laughs> I want us not to be found in any search engines. That's I right. want us not to be found in iTunes. That's
1: right. We yes. can stop plugging it. It's it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Neon marker. We, we want our fans to take it to the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So no, it's about this not band. Not. They're going out to find this band and everybody loves uh, Where's Fluffy. And Michael Sarah apparently is uh, Nick's character is apparently um, the he's, he's quite uh, prescient when it comes to music. And he loved Where's Fluffy before, you know, Where's Fluffy was anything. And that's become a thing. And right. so they're on the hunt for Where's Fluffy. And that's that's uh, now it's a race between saving our drunk friend and finding this band right. And that's when supposedly the hilarity ensues. So that's overall that's the that's what the movie's about. It's the chases of the drunk friend and the band. Yep. Is that is that did I leave anything out?
1: Nope, that's pretty much it.
0: All right. Uh so um let's see, who else do we need to talk about in the film? Should we talk about Tal?
1: You know, Jay Baruchel, Um this is I I it was nice. I forgot that he was in this film and I kind like of a, Kind of a him... weird part for him. Well, I like it, though, because it's so different than everything else that he does. He's always kind of the, the scrawny loser he's, sort of character. He's just
0: as likely to have played the Nick part.
1: Even when he's animated, they yeah. still make him the scrawny loser, like in right. How to Train Your Dragon, where he still is right. the scrawny loser Viking. He really plays that part so well. So it's so strange seeing him play this kind of cocky, arrogant, uh, you know, Jew-fire band guy uh, who, who's all, uh, who's been kind of, uh, he's the, the, the ex, but still friends with benefits for, for uh, Nora, which is interesting.
0: Right, and why? Because Nora's dad is conveniently the uh, head of the super studio. Yes, the music. And, and Tal, Jay Baruchel, uh, is in a band. Everybody's right. in a band. Of course. Uh and then uh and so he's he plays a tough guy and uh then we have uh Tris the ex blonde vixen girlfriend uh
1: and Alexis, so Alexis Alexis Ziena. Yes. She's she's an interesting one. I kind of have a uh I I I don't know if I call it a love-hate relationship, but I I I'm not cuz I'm just not sure there's that much love. She always kind of creeps me out and uh I mean, I think she's enjoyable enough, but I'm never that convinced that she's somebody I'm ever supposed to like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: She plays like the jealous ex really well, and I feel like that's kind of her lot in life. And that's horrible to say, but that's just how I. I don't I think see I see her.
0: I haven't actually seen much. I mean, what other notable part have you seen her in?
1: Broken Flowers is probably uh, the big one that I, I remember. Haven't, I haven't watching. seen. It. It's uh
0: with uh but that's Bill Murray, right?
1: Yeah, it's Bill Murray. It's she uh, was, Jim Jarmusch's th- film. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's I think Julianne Moore's daughter uh who ends up show- you know, she shows up fully naked. <laughs> it was a very strange <laughs> moment for her in that film. I I was I wasn't quite sure what to think, but I I didn't I I just didn't get into it that much. And so um yeah, she's just, and I know I've seen her in other things. I just don't know She did, what. she
0: did. Uh, she oh,
1: Invasion. In... Invasion is what I remember her from the most. Oh, the TV show.
0: The one, sh- the the one show.
1: season of Invasion. Yeah, she was the daughter who ended up uh, getting, uh, at the end of the season, uh, she gets, you know, taken by the aliens or infected or whatever it was. I can't remember now. And then and then it was such a, uh, it wasn't popular enough to continue, so you don't know what ends up happening with her.
0: <laughs> oh sorry yeah. uh okay well she was you know so she was she she filled a, a hole in this film you know she was the there was a hole they needed a vixen and she was the one yes uh and so other she's otherwise she she yeah she i i don't know you know this was a the, what this is this great quote from um brian cranston uh and and in certain areas of this film I, I I found this quote resonating which was you know a great actor uh can only raise uh m- bad writing like one letter grade or something uh yeah. and and there were parts around her character that I just found myself just kind of exhausted and my shoulders would curl over and I would just want to m- like fast forward a bit. <laughs> like she may have been uh, she may be uh, you know supremely talented but uh I I don't I don't know that we got a chance to see it in this yeah, kind of film. Okay. So
1: Yeah, I mean well she plays, like I said, she seems like the jealous ex and she plays yeah. that well. And you know, I <laughs> I guess that's all there is to it. Yeah. For her. Yeah. Yeah. So and then you've got random cameos in here from Seth Myers, Andy Samberg, okay. uh you know, Eddie this K. Is... Thomas, John Cho. I mean it's it's really funny like I... the faces that end up popping up. Seth
0: Myers is is the best one i think for me he gets in the cab with his
1: uh <laughs> with lorraine scafaria, with, with lorraine the scafaria
0: right and yeah. uh that ends up being um I, I think that's a part to watch again and again because first of all he doesn't look like himself you can't quite see <laughs> you can't quite catch him and he's fantastic he's fantastic it makes me actually i wish he was in more stupid comedies uh because i think he's he's really good those yeah. kinds of roles um and then uh, a- uh andy sandberg uh,
1: a strangely creepy to no end homeless man a
0: homeless man he was very creepy that these cameos were great the cameos are sort of uh, you, why well, you show up yeah i think they did a great job of of just sort of peppering them throughout the film um yeah okay so uh, you know I'm. I, tell me more about why I should. Why I, should, I feel like the more I talk about it, I'm liking it less.
1: Well, I, you know, I don't. I don't think I'm liking it less. I think I still like this film. I. It's. It's. It's a very sweet film. I and it's an honest love story. I do really enjoy this love story between Nick and Nora. Uh, I. I feel like there is an honest journey in their relationship. Uh, you know, as he's dealing with. Getting over Tris, which I, I still always wonder, how did he ever like Tris in the first place? But yeah. you know, people end up getting caught in these in these webs of relationships where everyone around them is like, "What do you see in that person?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so I can totally buy it, but it's so clear that Nick and Nora work well together. All of his gay band member friends see it, and I love their pushing of to get them together. I love the scenes of the two of them together. I just feel like it's honest writing. I feel like it's honest acting. I feel like it's a, depicting an honest relationship. And I love how it builds to the end. I still don't know why they feel like they need to leave the concert at the end. It's like yeah, that's, they're together. Why They've worked why, all night
0: to get to yeah, the concert. That's why, been their journey.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it's sweet that they... Do and in, it's yeah, it's but in cute, fact but you I, can
0: I, have it all, and that's what these kinds of movies are supposed yeah, to reward you with. That you got the like, concert. Why did they,
1: they? they leave? I don't know. I don't know. But, Tal, Tal,
0: but, those, those, the pressure was too great because
1: Tal was there. Well, Tal and Triss are both still yeah. there, so I guess they just don't want to be around their exes. I I don't know, but it's it's just it's very sweet, and I really enjoy Nick and Nora. You know, they uh, Rachel Cohn was a big fan of the Thin Man series, and she specifically wanted to use the names Nick and Nora when she wrote this novel of these two teenagers who were falling in love. And she wanted to have that kind of style of speaking, that witty banter. Obviously they weren't going to be the heavy drinkers that Nick and Nora were in the Thin Man or the, you know, the really kind of just that coming from that rich, rich background or whatever. But they still kind of have that fun banter back and forth that comes across really well. And it, I haven't read the novel, but I, I, have heard that it comes across in the novel, and I feel like it comes across in the film. It's not quite like the 30s style of writing, but it still is fun, witty banter between these two characters, and I really do enjoy it. The novel, I think, is an interesting story. I guess Rachel Cohn had this idea to write this novel about these two characters falling in love and really wanted to co-write the book with a man And my understanding of the novel is that they each took alternating chapters. And so she would write a chapter from Nora's perspective. And then when she was done, she would give it to uh, David, who would write the next chapter following her chapter uh, from Nick's perspective. And they would leave each other with these cliffhangers or these things that they had to end up incorporating into their own chapters as they went back and forth as, and following the arc of them over the course of this night. I find that a really gratifying story, uh, the way that you write a story and come up with it. I think it's really fun and it's really clever. And I like that they chose to do this between two authors telling two perspectives of the story. And I feel like it would be a really fun read. And one of these days, maybe I'll read it. But at the same time, I, I you know, when you're writing a book called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, I think there's something... Uh, key that you have music in it. And I I just love the fact that it's a movie with lots of great music because it really does feel like music permeates this film from beginning to end. And it's not just in the songs. I mean, it's in, you're seeing posters everywhere. You're seeing bumper stickers for bands everywhere. You're seeing people, people are always talking about it. I just feel like this is like music is another character in this film, just like New York is a character in this film. You've got the story of Nick and Nora, but music and New York, I think, are just such huge parts of the story as well.
0: Yeah, I, I did want to talk a little bit about New York. I, I I really like the way they portray the city in this in in, in this film, and I like the sort of because of the hour of the uh, the the hours that the the plot sort of takes place over the course of this night uh, you know it's not super busy new york you know it's not the typical daylight um you know heavy traffic you know we we know what that's all about you know it's a new york that weirdly um feels uh like sort of any town us any city usa right i mean it could be it could be any place and it's it it um I think it gives it a uh, kind of a, a much more of a homely approachable character uh, to the city than, than I think we're used to seeing um, less of a showpiece and it sort of lets the, lets the city act as the backdrop that it's meant to be and not uh, too much of a, of a, of a stopping character in itself. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. I, I, I did like that. I liked watching his Yugo kind of plot around the city and, and, um, and, uh, uh, I you know I think that's funny without a lot of the idiocy that usually comes with with you know these sorts of teenage rom-coms but you know which I'm also a big fan of so uh.
1: yeah I feel like this one hits all the notes really well and I think it ties everything together really well but it has great comedy when Caroline is being carried away and her head gets smacked into the van door I mean I. Can't help but laugh out loud. I just I had forgotten that happens, and it's such a funny moment. And it plays those moments well against the more dramatic moments. And you know, I think there's some some great relationship truths. And I, I love the moment of Nick and Nora when they actually go to her dad's studio, and there's the sexual uh, moment between the two of them. And I just I love the way that that's portrayed. And it's very simple. It's not some crazy sex scene it's just this small moment that is an important connection between these two characters and you don't often get that especially in 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 teen romantic comedies that are are supposed to be drawing in kind of the teen crowd that seem to be focused more on the the visceral moments of the relationship rather than the actual emotional moments of the relationship
0: yeah, it feels so much like in in that respect and I and I agree with you. I think that scene was really well architected and and I uh I, I felt a a real sort of affinity to the characters in that relationship. It it was it was it may have been kind of the most human uh, uh sequence in the film. Yeah. Uh for me and it was it, it, like you say it was just it was intimate and close and not uh and not um explicit um but but still very sort of pure and actual, you know, and and, and I liked that um, the uh, the whole sequence in the in the studio, particularly leading up to their first sort of kiss. You know, there mm-hmm. is this weird energy between them that is just it's so palpable and memorable. Right. I, yeah, and I don't right. mean I'm going to remember this scene. It, it's I remember that. From, right, from my, my first kiss, right. right? I mean, yeah. it was weird and yeah. and irreplaceable, and I think they just those two those two people really captured that uh, extremely well on screen. I think that was uh, that's that's one to 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 show up for this movie for too.
1: You know, that's an interesting point, and I think that may be why I latch onto the film, and maybe why people like the film, but at the same time, like why I I don't find it as memorable because a lot of those moments that feel so honest and so truthful don't bring me back to the moments in the movie, but take me back to moments in my own life. Yeah, yeah. And that, that could be an interesting reflection on the way that storytelling actually uh, brings up memories as opposed to, to creating something that is so um, lasting in and of itself.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and and I wouldn't necessarily like my first inti- instinct is to say in this case that 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 works at a disservice to this film. You
1: know? Well, <laughs> and, yeah, that's but, that's definitely possible. But I also
0: think that that's that's aspirational filmmaking. I mean, that's why we we you know we do this. You, you well, know, that's why we sort of write and create is to is to help others is to, you know establish that sense memory, that visceral memory, and, and that emotional connection.
1: And even if it is something that ends up being a disservice to this film, I mean, I will say you've got to give credit to uh, all three writers, the two writers of the novel and the screenwriter, yeah. for being able to to create those moments that end up causing you to reflect on moments of truthful relationship uh, uh, memories in your own life.
0: It takes—yeah, I mean, just that, you know, you— you, the reflection for me is just this sense that they have such an unbelievably good connection to their own histories. Yeah. Uh, to be able to conjure up that that place uh, right. on paper, on the page. Really powerful. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, any other highlights you want to talk about here before we...
1: Yeah, one, one last little note that I think is... Uh, I, I think it's... Um, good to just read a quote from the book regarding the actual infinite playlist line. Um, because I, I love how it is uh, written in the book. Um, I actually just looked it up. I, like I said, I haven't read the book, but I looked it up. Like, why is it called the infinite playlist? And this is a quote from the book as to uh, where the line infinite playlist comes from. I shouldn't want the song to end. I always think of each night as a song or each moment as a song. But now I'm seeing we don't live in a single song. We move from song to song, from lyric to lyric, from chord to chord. There is no ending here. It's an infinite playlist. And I I feel like they captured something in that line about life and how that's what this movie is about. The infinite playlist is... All of these moments in your life, the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, the exciting moments, the uh, romantic moments, and the way all of those moments build together to create something that just kind of keeps going. And it's this this endless thing that we're all a part of. And I I really like that about the title. And I really like the way that he described that or the two of them describe that in the book.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, And... um yeah, beautiful and John Cho. <laughs>
1: and John Cho <laughs> uh,
0: okay,, uh, this movie did pretty well.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd say it did pretty well. well, it, it did it it, it, it it did okay. It you... did well enough to break even this when you look at it on our uh, our movie cost per finish minute adjusted for inflation list that we have. This is the lowest uh, on the list of movies that actually uh, did actually break even or make a profit. Well, now, wait so, a minute. So,
0: how much did they spend on prints and advertising on this film? Because that, right. I think, is so, what—because the number I found yeah. is not—is clearly not the number that you found.
1: <laughs> $10 million was the budget for this film. Yeah. So, $10 million. They spent $23 million oh, marketing this film. Oh, that was dumb. So a total budget of $33 million to get this film no. out to the world. Yes, <laughs> yes, they did. And it ended up grossing domestically. It made just uh, about $31.5 million internationally. Oh. This isn't the sort of film that sells well internationally, so it only made about $2 million internationally. All told, it made about $33.5 million. So it scraped by. It made um, about... Uh, it profited, you know,
0: about a, a half million dollars. Yeah,
1: It really didn't do very well, uh, profit wise, but it still profited. Uh... the adjusted, adjusted, uh, you know, this was made in, uh, what was it? 2008. So it's not a huge change in the inflation, but adjusted profit per finished minute. It made $6,000, $6,478 and 79 cents per finished minute. As opposed to something like uh, like Jaws, which right now is still our highest uh, grossing adjusted profit per finished minute film at fifteen million <laughs> six hundred fifty-seven thousand eight hundred fourteen dollars per finished minute. So yeah, there's a big difference between Jaws and between Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, oh, but it didn't goodness. lose money. So you gotta give them credit for at least making something that it you know still made a profit.
0: That is funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Let's rank it. Let, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. that. So if you want to follow along on our rankings, you can head over to flickchart.com. That's flickchart.com. <laughs> Please don't go to flipchart.com. <laughs> That's a different thing.
1: Did Flick- somebody point that out to you? I've never heard of flipchart.
0: Well, That's you and I know. you and I have a, a dear friend who wrote an email to us and asked us to flip chart oh. something. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And I oh, want to yes. make sure that we don't have other people in the audience who are wondering, why can't I find their list on the flipchart.com? Very different thing. Flickchart.com.
1: Although I will say, if you do need an elegant easel, go to flip chart.com. They have a wide variety of They do Uh, they are you there there right now? now? Hanging graphic hardware. Oh wow uh, they really do. They really classic A-frame easels, convention A-frame hotel easels. Do you know I'm really finding myself
0: excited about the gallery and exhibit walls.
1: Oh yes. And what
0: about the tension fabric structures? Did you know you could do a tension fabric structure?
1: I'm quite a fan of the aluminum uh, big <gasps> are you de- you're not
0: talking about the aluminum slat wall, slat stand. wall stands, oh, are you?
1: Yes I am. <laughs> oh, Andy.
0: And how? <laughs> and scene. <laughs> uh flickchart.com slash the next reel is where you want to <laughs> where you want to go for uh <laughs> to follow along and uh, and see uh, our entire uh golden ticket list here.
1: Yes. All right. Let's let's head on and rank this thing. Nick and Nora's infinite playlist or the born identity. Born identity. Born identity. Yes. Uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist or Clute? Clute. See, I think I would go Nick and Nora. And maybe it's just uh, in, uh, echoing the times and the fact that it has pacing for modern sensibilities that I, I find a little more uh, easy to just sit back and relax and get into.
0: Tape recorder, dude. Tape recorder.
1: Man, you sold that one. All right, <laughs> tape recorded. You win, Trump. I, I know. <laughs> I feel like I just uh, wow made a big fool of myself and wow. <laughs> all. Wow. <laughs> what right. was I thinking? Go, go ahead. Right. Now, okay, Nick and Nora or the Wolverine. I would. I would totally go Nick and Nora. I'm gonna. You
0: one. know what? I'm gonna give you this one.
1: All right. Cause yeah. Wolverine is just problems from beginning to end.
0: I don't For want mid- you to maybe. stroke out.
1: There you go. Nick and Nora. <laughs> Or We're No Angels. I would still do Nick and Nora. I would do Nick Nick and Nora. Yeah, We're No No. Angels is a lot of fun, but... Nick and Nora or Christmas in July?
0: I would do Nick and Nora.
1: I would, too. Nick and Nora or Miller's Crossing? I would do Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing, yes. All right, 90. Number 90 out of 114.
0: Hey, cracked the top 100.
1: (laughs) Yes, it did. Yes, it did.
0: Every week it gets one movie harder. <laughs>
1: Who will get bumped? Just up? Uh, what
0: what what did Nick and Nora bump uh out of the top one hundred tonight?
1: Let me see. I have to I have to go through the whole list because it only shows me up to ninety-nine, of course. So hold on, let me look. Nick well, and Nora bumped. <laughs> Come on! Uh, slow websites. Uh, number 101 is now the Wolverine. So Wolverine just got bopped up, bumped off our top 100, and I think that is okay. <laughs> Just
0: fine. <laughs>
1: I am good with that.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Yes, Excellent. Indeed. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm happy. We're so happy. You're so happy. They're so happy. Uh, And so that's what we got. Now, where do we go here for next week?
1: Uh, next week, we are going to be continuing our chat about uh, romantic comedies in the month of October. And we're going to go to, you know, I don't know if you call it classic since it's it's not that horribly old. But uh, we are going to be jumping back into the 93, so 20 years old already. Holy cow. Sleepless in Seattle.
0: Wow. 20 years old. This was another uh, recommendation from the spouses. Mm-hmm. I think this oh, was this was on our it. list anyway. They confirmed it. Yeah. This yes, one They
1: just said you guys were smart. You picked a good one here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh and so that's good. I'm actually excited to talk about this one and uh, I'm excited to talk about the one after that.
1: I I'm, am excited about both of those. Yes.
0: I think I'm even more excited about talking about the one after that. So I'm looking I'm a whole week ahead in my anticipation
1: <laughs> well that's good i i i, I hope uh, you are still excited about talking about sleepless next week
0: i don't know if i can <laughs> i may not show up i'll just i'm gonna
1: skip <laughs> 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 for the for
0: two weeks from now so good luck next week and uh <laughs> thank you good night andy
1: i'll have a great conversation with myself